And oftentimes, whether it's just a one-on-one -on -one personal conflict, you'll notice there's not a whole lot of intimacy in their family dynamics or friendship circle. So people notice who we are and the kind of love that we have, not just for one another, but for the Father. We began this series by being reminded, and maybe even discovering for the first time, how very beloved we are by God. He treasures us. He sent his son to die for us, the ultimate sacrifice. We say that, and we sing that, and we preach that, and we read that. I don't know if we're ever truly going to get it, what that absolutely looks like. I don't know. I had a sweet Bible study yesterday with one of our young adults, and we're going to start through the Gospel of John. And by the way, I'm not a young adult. I want you to notice that, okay? And we were reading where Jesus first called the disciples, and it gave you a backstory, which I knew but never realized. When he went and called them, <clears throat> excuse me, he just went along the shore and he called them. Immediately, they dropped what they were doing and came. They did not know him. It's not like there was a presentation or something that was coming up, and they're like, hey, this guy's coming along. You might want to follow him. They didn't know him. And James and John, sons of Zebedee, when you know the culture that was going on at that time, you recognize that the fathers had their children from wee little bitty ones, raising them in the family business, taking them fishing, taking them on the boat, teaching them about fishing them, teaching them how to do it from real little. So it hit us yesterday when we were talking, and I said, I didn't, I know I've read it a million times, but James and John were in the boat when Jesus said, come and follow me. So was their dad that had raised these guys from we once. And to show you how, how relevant that is in the Jewish culture today, on the flight home from Israel three years ago, a very long flight, there was a sweet little Jewish couple in the row in front of us. And they had, I'm going to say, between six to nine-month-old baby. We're talking 11-hour flight. So she was taking care of nursing the baby, doing what needed to be done. But here's what I noticed, because I didn't sleep like everybody else did. I tried. Whenever the baby needed to be walked around or nurtured, the dad did it. The dad was the one walking around the plane, comforting, wooing. I'm not saying she didn't do it, but I'm saying that bond from father to son is deep from when they are infants. That's the Jewish culture. I'm not saying it isn't in your family, but culturally, that's the way they were raised. So there must have been something about this Jesus that they noticed. Something was different. God's love is different. I enjoy the love of my friends, my husband, my family, my colleagues. I enjoy that. But it's kind of different than the love I get from the Father, right? Or is it? Think about that for a minute. One of the basic elements of being a Jesus follower, according to the Bible, according to Scripture, is to love one another. Whenever, if you've been raised in Sunday school, which I was not, or if you've been coming to church for very long, it comes up a lot in series. It comes up a lot in conversation. We're supposed to love each other. And sometimes we do that poorly, and sometimes we do that really well. But it's a basic principle of Christianity. 
And that's kind of what kicked off the series in the first couple of weeks. And last week, I was at Uinta. We heard an outstanding message um, about don't love the world. Don't love the world. What do you mean don't love the world? Aren't we supposed to love everybody? That wasn't the message. The message was don't love the things of the world. The relationships that you have with each other above him. Don't love your stuff. Don't love your money. Don't love your status. Don't love your title. Don't love the things that this world will offer to us. And each of us have a job title if you're working, if you're a mom, if you're a dad, if you're a brother, a sister, a son, a daughter. We each have a title in one way or another. But the Bible teaches us that we're not to love those things that try to define who we are and take our attention and our gaze away from Jesus. Ever so slightly can get us off on the wrong course. Shannon was very open and shared about all of her life when she was raised in church. She made lists. She was so fearful, even being raised in a Christian church, that God was not going to accept her, that she had these lists of things to do and to not to do. And that's what was taught within her family, and that's just what you did. You didn't question it. You don't do this, and you do do this, period. Go online and watch it. And about 10 years ago, she said, she truly came into an intimate relationship with Jesus and began to realize that he doesn't have a list. He says, come. He changes us from the inside out. It's not about behavior modification. I go to church, so I can't do this. Or I'm a Christian because I can't do that. It's because of this intimate relationship that she and many of us share with Jesus that causes us to not want to do those things. It's not like, don't do that, which you need to do with your children when you're raising them. Don't run in the street. Don't stick your hand in the fire. There are practical don'ts that we have to do. But the truth is, I didn't have a list or an expectation when I came into relationship with Jesus. I had no clue. And I am so grateful he didn't have a list because I wouldn't have been on it. There was nothing lovable about me. But he accepted me. And that allows us to begin to experience and embrace the love of God in a way we never even imagined possible. So here's this young woman. Everybody younger than me is young now. Shannon, she's a couple decades younger, I'm sure. But saying, I've been raised in church, heard about Jesus all my life, been taught messages, preached, done all this stuff. But it never really came into relationship until 10 years ago. And finally, the Holy Spirit just revealed to her, stop. What's he revealing to you? Just stop. Maybe it's not lists for yourself, but it's lists for other people. This could get a little bit in your business today, and I pray by the Holy Spirit that it does. Because the message in the series is an uh, opportunity for us to grow and to develop into who God wants us to be. And he wants to shake things up about our perception oftentimes. Embracing the love of God while embracing others with God's love for them. That's been the theme for this series. We can't give what we don't have. So once we've experienced the love of Jesus and we begin that relationship with him, that's how we love other people. You see, people will identify us by our behavior. 
And how many of you know, especially kids, they know if you're being real or not. You can tell if someone's sincere or they're just putting on a happy face, shaking your hand, giving you a hug, and they don't really even like you, right? Can I say that in church? It's true. As a body collectively, as the family of Christ, we are to be defined by some things, but it's not because of a religious behavior. Some of the markers are kindness, honesty, work hard, accepting, helpful, many others. Can you think of some? Patient, yes. What else? So when people look at us and they are identifying who we are as a human being, these are all wonderful. Give me some more. Generous. I'm sorry? Yes. Compassionate. Anything? Lavish love. I love that. All of these are wonderful. And that's an overflow of the relationship that we have with Jesus. I think it begins with authentic, genuine love from the Father to the Father, that flows in us and through us to each other. So what I want us to kind of think about today is in this building, in this body, in all of our campuses, in the Christian body as a whole, we are identified by markers from people that are not or wouldn't call themselves Jesus followers, right? There are just things that should be different about us. This young adult that I met with yesterday. She went to a Christian school. But the principal, the principal of this very tight-knit Christian school noticed something different about her. Wow. That's just as a young person. And this was a Christian school. Followers of Jesus or if you would say, yes, I've received Christ into my heart. I place my faith and my trust in him. We are absolutely unequivocally divine, defined by our love. Jesus gathered this eclectic group of people and said, come and follow me. They didn't, except for the brothers, they didn't really know each other. I'm sure they saw each other fishing. Maybe they were competitors even in the market because they did it for a livelihood. But they didn't know each other, Right? But what defined them, the longer they walked with Jesus and even after he was crucified and resurrected and went to the Father, was how they were with each other. They loved each other. People thought it was freaky. Even today, and you know I'm telling the truth, there are cultural differences, whether it's socioeconomic, color of your skin, um, maybe your personality, just things that separate the body of Christ that really shouldn't be there. I think that we need to, all of us, we need to be doing a little bit more intentional, better job of loving each other. It's going to be really difficult to love people that come through the door that may be broken, maybe have had a terrible church experience, or maybe don't know anything, as I didn't, and they come in, and what they see is divisiveness or gossip. Please, if that's an issue you struggle with, talk to God. He wants to help you with that. If anybody overhears a conversation that you're ever having with anybody, is it edifying? 
Now, you have to have some serious, crucial conversations sometimes. I'm married. We do. We don't always agree. But I don't want people recognizing that there isn't a basis of genuine, authentic love as we try to work out these differences that we have. Because if I come in here broken and we can't even love each other well, why am I going to stay? Here's the truth. Some of you are probably saying, you know, Jackie, I absolutely love my fellow Christian brothers and sisters. This message isn't for me. However, I think it's for all of us. Maybe in your heart, you harbor some jealousy, some unforgiveness, some critical or judgmental thinking, maybe even some hate for one particular person or a body of people. Maybe you're thinking they're just too different than me, culturally, by age, the music we listen to. Even whether I'm not super techie, I do love my phone, I love my stuff to help me, but if it goes wrong, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm still trying to figure out how to hook his phone up to the truck. I don't know. We've had it, you know, for a year and a half. I don't know. There's a reason that the Lord put it on my heart to invite this young adult whom I will learn from, whom I will grow from her experience and the shared love and compassion that we have for each other and for Jesus as we both grow in that. That's risky. You think, why would she want to be with someone my age? Why would I want to be? What do we have in common? More than you know. We're just two women trying to figure this out and love Jesus with everything that we have and enter in and stay into the calling that he has for us and and be the voice and the hands and the feet of God? Why can't we do that with people that are different than us? Why is it that we tend to be drawn to the same type of people? It's human nature. I'm, I'm wanting, among many things, but I'm wanting you to be challenged today. That when you leave here, you step out of your comfort zone. That you get to know somebody different. Intentionally. And not because I ha I, Jackie said we have to. That means nothing. Get to know somebody different than you. If you were raised in church, go hang out with somebody that wasn't, but now is a Jesus follower. The things you can learn from each other is astronomical. Jesus created a group of people who did not know each other and yet were identified above all else by their love. This is not up here, but Acts 2.45 says, and they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. So if I said to you today, I want you to go empty your bank account, sell your house, we're going to collectively bring it together, and then we're going to share it for anybody that has need. Anybody squirming? But that's what they did. That's why they were freaks then. Nobody did that. Even in our American culture, I work hard for what I've got. Of course you do. You should. But how tightly is your grip? With each other to begin with. You see, this love that I'm talking about begins here before it goes out there. The people that you work with, would they say, yeah, Jackie's the same at uh, the hospital as she is at Smith's? 
I sure hope so. Would they say that about you? I don't know. It's just an awareness to have. Do they feel loved? It's a big challenge to have everybody sell all their stuff, but that's exactly what they did. Because they knew as Jesus called them to go and spread the gospel, because he knew what was coming, of course, they didn't. They needed to understand this concept of unity. And the unifying factor is Jesus and his love. If we can get that, listen, folks, we can conquer a lot of things for Jesus. This needs to be a place, every Christian church that's identified by that, not just Crossroads, all three campuses. Every Christian church should be identified by the love that they give to each other. When people walk in the door, they should see us loving one another. I get you have bad days. I do too. I get it. You can still have bad days and be in authentic love with each other, right? I'm not suggesting that you honestly go sell all of your stuff unless God puts that on your heart. What I am presenting is how well do we see, how well are we seen, and how well are we known by our love for each other? Do I go to work and talk about somebody that annoys me at church? I'm just saying, I hear it at my work from Christian people and non-Christian people. They're griping about their leaders. They're griping about somebody that just annoys them because they're different or maybe they don't appreciate the way their kids are being reared. Whatever the case may be, there's no love there. And in fact, when I was so hungry and desperate for a God, I prayed every night. I didn't know to whom. I had no idea. But I prayed every night out of the best way that I knew how. I was desperate to be in relationship with God and with a body of people that would love me and accept me and, and teach me and help me and show me the way to this God and show me how to love him the best that I could. But what I saw growing up here was diversity and animosity and this church hates this church and they're spirit-filled and they're not, so we're not on the same page. And it's like, really? I just wonder if the very few, but I did have two or three Christian friends growing up, if they had represented Jesus in a different manner, would it have changed the course of my life? Possibly. Very possibly could. And this is not a judgment on you. I'm in this with you. We are family, okay? I'm not on this platform because I'm better. I'm on this platform so you can see me. That's it. We're all held to the same accountability. The world is watching us. And I don't want them scratching their heads saying, there's nothing different about them. They're chronically late. They gossip about their boss. They speak ill of their spouse. But they go to church every Sunday. They might lead a small group. They might be children's leaders. I'm telling you, from the outside looking in, that is a reason that we people go like that. If there isn't something different about us, then why does anybody want to become a part of our body? Right? You guys with me? Loving others is risky. 
but always worth it. Jesus took the risk with you and I. He knows all of our flaws, our thoughts, our imperfections, and he sent his son so we too can be in God's family. We are adopted into the family of God by and through love and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It'll be on the screen here. 2 John 1. Dearest woman, I have a request to make of you. It is not a new commandment, but a repetition of the one we have from the beginning, that we constantly love one another. Constantly love one another. Stop right there. Not when you're having a good day. Everything is good in your family. Checkbook looks good. Good. I can love anybody you want me to, Jesus. It's a good day. He didn't say that. Even if we're having difficulties, this is where we should be able to come and be loved and find love and share love, maybe to help us out of whatever is going, or maybe just have a voice to listen to, pray with. This love means living in obedience to whatever God commands us. For to walk in love toward one another is the unifying, there's that word again, commandment we've heard from the beginning. Unifying commandment. That's what love does. John 13, 34 says, So now I am giving you a new commandment, love each other. Just as I have loved you. We could stop right there and end the message. It goes back to how can I even comprehend that Jesus would choose to go through, come down here, become a man, suffer the hell that he did, and as he was being murdered, say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. We're supposed to have that kind of love. Let that sink into your heart for a minute. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. There it is again. People need to, I'm not talking about theologians. I'm not talking about Bible scholars. I'm talking about Jesus people. People that have said yes to Jesus, accepted them into their heart in their life, have started that relationship with him. All Jesus people in every kind of building that they're meeting in that would say, Jesus is my savior and I'm born again. That's what I'm talking about. That's how people will know. Many of us that have been raised here in Utah, anybody else raised in Utah besides me and Tom? Oh my gosh, that's awesome. I love it. Usually I say that and there's like me and Tom. Especially at UNA, everybody's kind of a transplant in. If I would have seen or been exposed to that kind of love, I would have just ran as fast as I could into that building. People want hope. People want to receive love. People want to know what that means. We are the people to show that to them. It proves to the world. If I make a mistake or if I'm having a rough day and what I do can be very difficult and someone comes up to me and says, how are you doing? I don't put on a happy smile and say, I'm fine. I'll be like, that was rough. That was rough. I've had a rough day. Even though I can't talk about it unless they were there. I'm not going to be fake and phony. Sometimes we just have to settle that in our hearts. Because what we bring to church sometimes, what I bring to church sometimes, isn't genuine authenticity. I finally had to just be completely 100% transparent with you. 
I asked to meet with Robert, who's a good friend of mine and my pastor, and said, I'm struggling. Ten years ago, I would have never said that. Ten years ago, I wasn't as struggling like I am now. What do you think he did? Get it together, Jackie. Of course he didn't. Jackie, you're a pastor. Come on. Fix it. No. He hugged me and prayed for me. Let me cry. He loved me. That's what we're supposed to do for one another. we got to learn to be authentic with each other. I know that's not the way it is in the world, and that's what makes us different. It should. Even the most unlovable people will notice when you're lovable. Right? Luke 10. One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus said. Do this and you will live. Then the man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, who's my neighbor? You ever done that? Not the neighbor with the barking dog that keeps us up all night, right? Seriously. I'll go to the neighbor on the other side of them. Or the neighbor across the street that I don't understand because they're of a different faith tradition. Certainly not them. The people that are nice to me, that's who I love, right? Wrong. Everyone is our neighbor. The people at the grocery store. I literally know the names of several of the cashiers at Smith's on purpose. I want them to know that I'm not just some in a hurry person, though oftentimes I am, that doesn't understand that they're working very hard with sometimes very grouchy people and they don't feel respected. And I have to tell you, there's a lot of doctors and all kinds of folks that go to that grocery store on 42nd. They're not getting that love from them, a lot of them. Let's break down the socioeconomic barriers. Let's break down the color barriers. Let's break down the barriers and begin to love everybody like he loved us. If you take nothing away from today, please let that be massaged into your soul by the Holy Spirit. And honestly, don't you just, you know, love the religious guy? He wants to question everything. I've never done that, but I've heard other people say they have. That's a lie. You know I have. You find throughout history different sects of religious people who are identified by their love or the lack of for each other. I can't even tell you how many times, honestly, in any of our campuses, that I'll overhear a conversation that somebody's saying, I'm going to say a word, cover your ears, pissy about somebody else. That's in church! And I just greeted somebody new at the door and brought him over to the coffee bar. Now, I've done that. So I'm not pointing a finger and saying, I'm saying we collectively need to begin to not just embrace and feel the love of Jesus, but love each other in the same manner.
Is there anybody else in here that was searching for God or a place to fit in and really couldn't find it for any amount of time? Raise your hand. That kind of took my breath away. You see what I'm talking about? I hear without fail almost every day with the patients I go visit in a variety of health situations, I hate organized religion, Jackie. Why do they hate it? Because they weren't loved by the people in it. They were judged. Maybe they're addicts. Maybe they're of a different color. Maybe they don't have the kind of money that most of the people in that church do. So just like me, they were hungry looking for something, and all they did was get hurt. There are broken people all around us, and those of you that raised your hand, you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you were raised in church your whole life. Maybe you weren't. But to begin to understand that if we go back to the verses we just read, that we're to love each other like Jesus loved us, that would change everything in the body of everything. There wouldn't be any more little disagreements over silly stuff that doesn't even matter. And here's the thing. We get to choose to love each other. I encourage you to embrace diversity. Embrace it. What can I learn from them? I have learned so much from Annie when she came into our life. I'm going to Africa, but I had never been when I met her. I knew nothing about their culture, her country, her religion, her language for sure. But that young girl coming into our lives has been a constant reminder to me. Tom and I never had kids, and here we are at our age getting this beautiful high school girl from clear across the world that came in and rocked our world for good in a very good way. I want you to search for people that are different than you. I don't just want you to shake their hand. I want you to search for them. I want you, when you come in the door, not just go to the people that you know, not just hang out with the ones that you're comfortable with. Everybody, look for somebody that's different from you. I chose this young lady. God put it on my heart. Let's do this together. It will so increase the capacity and understanding the love of Jesus when you begin to embrace that. I dare you this week to try it and see what changes in your heart. We, as a body of Christ, collectively show the love of God for each other. We make choices. I had a really beautiful time with Rochelle. Her heart is so much to serve the body. She wants to try to get a system in place so that when people are sick or they've had surgery or they've had loss or they've had a little one, how can we get a meals? How can we do this effectively? She's so passionate about serving the body. I left her house just inspired. You see, everybody's different in what they bring. That's what creates this love of diversity in our church, right? You don't want me singing. Trust me. John 15, 12, this is my commandment, love each other in the same way I have loved you. I want you to meditate that verse when you go home. How do we do that? Because here's the thing, if we can get this right, you're not going to have enough room in here. You're going to have to have, we're going to have multiple services. 
Because people are going to find a place where the authenticity and love of each other makes them want to be a part of that. We want to be a part of something that's genuine. I don't know about you, but I'm sick of fake, phony people in any capacity. That doesn't reflect the love of Christ. He didn't do that. I have a video I want to share with you, and I want you just to enjoy that for a minute. We'll come back and talk about a couple more things. Anytime you're ready, guys. Thank you. sky traced out by the city lights my world from a mile high best seat in the house tonight touchdown in the cold black top hold on for the sudden stop breathing the familiar shock of confusion and chaos all those people going somewhere why have i never cared Give me your eyes for just one second Give me your eyes so I can see Everything that I keep missing Give me your love for humanity Give me your arms for the broken hearted The ones that are far beyond my reach Give me your heart for the ones forgotten Give me your eyes so I can see
it's much more difficult to see those around us when we haven't embraced it and experienced the love of Jesus from him and within the body that we worship in. It allows us to go to places like that where when I'm flying, I usually, you know, I have things to do. I'm learning. I'm slow learner, apparently. I'm 56, and I'm still getting it. But I need to leave earlier for stuff when my husband is with me. All, all jokes aside, I need to leave earlier. I guarantee you he's going to find somebody to love on without fail. So they're experiencing the love of Jesus through him when he stops, takes their big heavy dog food out to the car when they can't lift it or moves their cart that's full and people can't get around or smiles at somebody. The power of a smile will rock your world. Walk someplace like in the mall or in a big store and just smile at everybody you see. They're going to think you're different and they should. We love to reveal the Father's love. So as we learn to love each other better, more effectively, more genuinely, more authentically, then other people will experience that as well. So when you're in the grocery store, when you're at work with colleagues that may or may not have a religion or a belief system at all, they're going to look at you and they're going to see something different. And they're going to watch. And I've shared this before, but I think it's relevant. When I worked at IRS many, many, many years ago, don't hate me, I know it's tax time. I don't make the laws. We just kind of did what they told us. And I was leaving. And we were in units. And I was literally the only Christian in my unit. And there was probably 35 of us with a manager and a lead. And it was my last day, and they gave me a party. And one of the gals that sat behind me, she was probably in her 30s. I was in my 20s at the time. Came up to me as I was walking out the door with my stuff in hand, leaving for the last time, and said, can I talk to you? I'm like, of course. We'd never spoken. I had never witnessed to this woman. Never. She said, I want you to know, Jackie, that I've been watching you. And you're probably the best Christian I've ever known. And I said, what does that mean? Because at first it's like, I don't know what that means. She comes from a different belief system. She said, I watched that you never gossip. You only say honoring things about your husband when it's all, because it's a bunch of women. I'm calling out women. I'm just telling you. We have a tendency to do this. We. You don't gossip. You don't talk bad about your husband. You're on work, work on time. You come back from your break on time. You don't talk bad about the boss when everybody else is. I've watched you for 10 years. I said, well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. I said, it's really the Jesus in me that you see. And I do my best to do what I feel like he would want me to do in the practical world that he's placed me in. That was the end of our conversation. I'm not a wonderful person. I'm no different than any of you. I just want to encourage you that people are watching. Let's learn, let's practice together in here to love well. You see somebody that needs help with something, help them. Sit with somebody different next week. I told Tom when we were coming in, I said, honey, there's no seats for you. I'm sitting with Lindsay. Sorry, babe. I don't think she would have let him sit there anyway, but do you understand my point? 
It has to be intentional. I'm going to pray, but I have some things that I want you to think about that's applicable. Do a service project in your community, in your school or your workplace. And start thinking about when you hear the word love others, what does that mean to you? What are some obstacles in yours and mine life that keep us from loving people on a daily basis? What are some ways that Jesus interacted with people that were very different than him, that nobody else wanted to love? That's where we learn. We can do this. I feel like the harvest is so ripe. There's so much fear and so much anxiety in the world, and people are just scrambling, trying to find something that they can believe in, that they can find security in. Our only security is in Jesus, period. Period. But that's enough. It's more than we would ever need. Amen? I'm going to pray for us today. Jesus, I'm not sure that we, as your kids, as human beings, can ever fully, completely understand this sacrifice that you made for us. And going to Israel took my faith and my love for you even a step further, but I still don't know that I completely get it. I believe it. I want that to be a part of my character. I want this love that you have for me to be the same love that I have for others. I don't want to pretend to be somebody that I'm not, and I don't want anybody else to do that either. Jesus, I ask that you cultivate this spirit of love that's within us towards you and towards each other. And it might mean giving up some things. It might mean having more discipline in our lives, leaving earlier to go places. Speak to us, Lord. Draw us to yourself in such a tight embrace that we hear your voice deep in our soul, whispering words of love, words of encouragement, and words of direction as we begin to step out fully as a church in loving each other so others may see that we truly are your disciples. They'll know us by our love. So Jesus, I pray a blessing upon everybody in this building. I thank you so much that we have a building to worship in. So many others don't. And this morning, as I think of so many people that are in panic and in fear, Lord Jesus, I pray that you send your spirit of peace to rest upon every Christian's heart, mind, and soul. We need to be the level of peace in the chaos today. Not because we're better or we know all the answers, but because you do and you live in us. So Jesus, I pray that you cultivate that, that iron sharpens iron, that you challenge us to go meet new people to try to not sit with the same people all the time, whether it's at work, at the coffee bar, or at church. That people start to ask questions because they see that we're different. And Lord, I thank you for all of the precious people that are in this building, from the children's church to the nursery to the sanctuary to the, to the people running all the sound and everything. Lord Jesus, we are so glad that you loved us and that we get to love you back and that your love for us gets to flow through us in our family here, in this building, and in the body of Christ. And we say this in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. We have some prayer people lined up, I think, Suzanne. If you guys want to come up, you're welcome to receive some prayer. Maybe it's a time the Lord has put something on your heart and said, oh, we need to work on this. I know we're not necessarily a liturgical church, 
meaning we don't um, like a Catholicism religion. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's Lent. If God puts something on your heart today that you need to get rid of or that is a distraction, fast it. I promise you, you can do it. I promise you, you can do it. Get a friend to help you and help you be accountable. This is what the Lord said to me. Because I was praying and I was going around the hospital on Wednesday and we were administering ashes to people that really wanted that to understand what Lent was. It's the 40 days of fasting that Jesus did before the enemy came and tempted him. And I said, Lord, do you want me to fast anything? I haven't felt it in my devotions and my prayers. And he said, Facebook. And I'm like, I'm hardly on Facebook. Honestly. He said, you know what, Jackie? Five to ten minutes of your day is distracting you from time we could be together. Five to ten minutes. It's not like I'm scrolling on it for hours at a time. Five to ten minutes. And it's incredible how every time I pick up my phone, I want to go click on Facebook, and then I'm like, wait, wait, I can't do that. Thank you, Jesus. What do you want to say to me today? So I encourage you to pray about that and think if that's something you can do. I can't fast food because of my neck. I'm not hardly eating anyway. It would be a bad thing. But I guarantee you there are things in each of our lives that are distracting us from the presence of God in that relationship. Amen? I love you guys. I want you to have a blessed week. I hope the messages of this whole series has encouraged you and inspired you and motivated you to just draw close to the Father because he loves you so much. And you are dismissed. And if you'd like prayer, please come see these wonderful people and they'd be happy to pray for you.